So this morning, I was, I was sitting um, at home this week and I was looking at, um, at a post somewhere on, on, on social media. I'm in a group, um, mountain biking with like 50 people on a group and one guy in a group is the owner of USN and he posted on the group, he posted a guy who won the USN fitness body challenge and he showed the two pictures of how a guy went from overweight to seriously ripped. And I thought, that is quite amazing. I mean, we've been seeing all these photos all my life, but that was quite a tremendous transformation about a guy. And immediately I started thinking about what God gave us as human beings. There's an inherent longing in us to be better. Am I right? This is just an inherent longing. I mean, if you're sitting here, I, be I believe that there is stuff in your life that you want to be better at. If not, then I pr we probably need to pray for you. Because then there's no purpose or strive or going towards something in life. But we want to be better at something. Am I right? See, I love watching these documentaries um, on Netflix or wherever where, where people do incredible feats. Like there's a guy now, a documentary came out. He did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states in America. I mean, Ironman is not a, not a game for sissies. It is serious stuff. 50 days in a row, 50 Ironmans. There was a guy who climbed the highest cliff face in the world without ropes. I mean, you can go on and on. It's just incredible to look at the feats of people who do things and claim themselves as to be the best that there is. And seriously, they are. <laughs> it's amazing. But I, as I was looking at it, I realized, isn't that how God made us? He gave us something in our DNA to, be, to want to be better. In life I want to be better at things but unfortunately the world came and redefined the how-to how do we define the best in, in life or the best in the world the world came to us and said that people who want to be the best and the famous we wanted to make it to the top or be the best as quick as possible without a lot of effort am I right See, the goal is, the nowadays goal is, I want to be the best in the world with the least effort and the least work possible. Does it sound familiar? I mean, see, you can go to gym for a year and follow a program and you would look good. But then there's other guys that say, if you use this product, you can go to gym for two months and you look even better. I mean, isn't that true? It's like, I want that product. Why? Because we want to be the best, the quickest, without a lot of effort. Now the one thing about being the best or trying to be the best or trying to become the best you can be requires one thing and it unfortunately is effort. You need to exercise if you want to get fit. The long or the short way. That's just how it is. Now I read an article this week. It was quite a good article. And I'm not a, good, a big fan. But I saw that BMW is bringing out the new M8 model. It's like a sports car. I don't know if you, I mean, if you remember the M3 BMW. That's, I mean, it's a, it's a sporting car. You, I mean, when you drive that car, you need to be rich first. And then you feel like a Formula One driver. <laughs> but BMW brought out the new M8. It's a phenomenal supercar. Um, and if you can afford it, you feel like a fast driver but there's one thing that BMW in the last couple of years has introduced into their technology and they call it G-Power. Now G-Power is a facility or a company that's in Germany that incorporated themselves into the BMW family 
And what they do is they tune the cars. <laughs> so it's, uh, we always had a, a joke at school. How do you, if you have a Chinese car, how do you tune it? It's like, how's it car? <laughs> but the thing is, they do fine tuning of a car. They enhance the car to such a position, such a place that it's got 100 more horsepower. They, they position is lower on the, on, the, on, on the road. They can go faster. They can grip more. They just super enhance this car to be better than it, than it can be. Much better. And it intrigued me so much. I love the name, G-Power. G-Power. And I, I went to their website. I actually, what, what is this guy's about? What do I actually do? And they had a slogan, and the slogan says the following. It stands for power, passion, and the unbreakable will to succeed. Isn't that great? It's like, whoa, that's quite powerful. But then it says, a one-of-a-kind manufacturing vehicle, spectacular power output enhancements, and various high-speed world records bear undeniable witness to G-Power technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. But when I was reading that, there's something jumped out to me, and it's, it's the word... Power output enhancements. That's what they do. That's what they specialize in. They enhance the power that a car has to be much better than it is. It sounds much like us. I want to be enhanced in my life and my goals and, and my abilities in life so that I can be better at what I do in life. Am I right? That's how you, why you study. That's why you do courses. That's why you enhance yourself to be more clever to be better equipped to do things in your life. But I read that thing and, I, and it reminded me about a scripture immediately. And I thought, man, these guys actually have a spiritual principle right here. And it took me to this scripture, Acts 4, 32 to 33. It says the following, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work within them. Yes, that's a powerful scripture. It's about power. It's about disciples who, who grasp something after the most defining thing, the crucifixion and the, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, now, this scripture is not BMW G-Power. This is gospel power. This is grace power. Right there. It is the biblical G power of BMW. I think BMW is copying what God has done already 2,000 years ago. But see, in Acts we read about the church who walked in their full inheritance. These guys walked in, in their full inheritance what God has given them. They saw miracles. They saw signs. They saw wonders. They were operating in re resurrection power. That's what they did. Now this morning I want to look at some things that might be... I've heard that before, Henny. That's okay. It's okay if you heard it. Then we hear it again because it's some foundations that we need to look at before we're going to look at deeper things of how do we roll out the gospel? How do we see grace in our lives? When Jesus was resurrected, what did He do? He gave great power to do what? To do greater works. See, He enhanced us as believers to live a life in the resurrected power of Christ. When Christ walked out of that grave, He enhanced. When that, when that curtain tore in half, when the Holy Spirit became part of who we are in our life and the world, He said, I'm enhancing you with greater power. 
I'm enhancing you. You see, as believers, we need to see the miraculous of God in our lives. We need to start with the knowing that the resurrection was far more than just historical facts. So there's so many people in, in the Christian circles that it's like, yeah, yeah, that's just a historical fact. Jesus died, he rose, it's an empty grave. It's a historical fact. But, but if you look at this scripture, and you see the power that the disciples and the people of Acts, the church of Acts, walked in, <clears throat> we realized that it was not just a fact. It was something much more. It was much more. In 1930, a guy called Frank Morrison wrote a book. And the book's name was Who Can Move the Stone? And especially if you think, if you listen to the, listen to the, the title of the book, I thought, That's, that, that must be a nice Christian book. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Or it didn't start out to be a Christian book. Frank Morrison was an agnostic believer. Now, agnostic believers believe that there is a deity, there's something big, but no human wisdom can prove that there is. So they believe there's something that made all this, but they don't believe that any human being are connected or know how they... Okay, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you can, there's, there's a lot of scriptures, and oh, not scriptures, writings on what agnostics believe in. But he was an agnostic. That's all we need to know. Now he started writing this book with the, with the sole purpose to prove that Jesus was not resurrected. That was his, that was his, he wanted to prove, and he was one of the big, the biggest, they call it baristas, that was, uh, uh, that was the main lawyers in the UK in that, in that, in that ages, but he wanted to prove by law, as in a court case, prove that there was no resurrection, there's no proof, there's no nothing. Now, <laughs> he started writing this book with the purpose to prove this, and he wanted to prove that Christianity is just another powerless religion with empty rituals that's what that was his goal and he know that if he proves it it would mean that christianity is just another dead religion however as he was busy investigating all the facts as he was going through he became so convicted by the truth that he got saved while writing a book against christianity <laughs> and he finished the last part of the book writing out like this is the truth and this is why you need to be saved that there's so much more than facts i love books like that see if we check the historical facts of any religion on earth buddhism whoever all the tombs of that gods are occupied except one christianity the tomb was empty the cross was empty there was something about the resurrection power of god that that is so powerful still today See, the death and resurrection of Jesus was the most amazing, the most defining happening in the history of human beings. And it still is today. Thousands of books have been written about it because it was such a defining moment. I don't see a lot of books written about other religions which tombs are still occupied by dead bones, by ashes, that people still worshipping the ashes. See, the resurrection of Jesus can't be seen just as a fact or a doctrine. The re resurrection of Jesus is a daily reality. It's a daily reality in our lives. That's who we are. That's what we live in. See, if you don't have a daily encounter with the miraculous power of God, then how do we deal with the troubles in life? We struggle. You see, if we get a revelation about the significance and the re relevance 
with the resurrection, we can operate in the power of miracles. See, if we catch that relevance of that revelation of God, we said that that power was not just for Jesus to stand up out of the, the grave and walk out and then it's done. That, that presence and power of the resurrection of Jesus is available to us today, now. So if we look at the scripture in Acts again, these guys, what happened to these guys? They just witnessed Jesus being resurrected. They were just filled with the Spirit, with power. And they were moving in that power. It wasn't just, oh now Jesus is gone, he's just Jesus. Now we need to suffer, suffer it out here alone on earth. No, they were so infused with the power of the resurrection, of the power of the Spirit of God, that they, they didn't sit still. They had great power. And they continue to testify about what? The resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, I love the last sentence, and God's grace was so powerfully at work with them. What did that mean? They stepped out of the law and said, we are free from that. Now we are looking at the power of the resurrection of God. Isn't that so amazing? See, when we as believers operate in the power, we can change history. We can. We can defeat evil. And we can do the works that Jesus has done and greater. That's what the scripture says. But see, sometimes we get so complacent in these things that we get stuck in law and in sin and in condemnation that we miss what the reality is of being a Christian. That we need to function out of the resurrection, resurrection power of Christ. Paul got this. I mean, he wrote a powerful gospel and he said if the following in Romans 8 verse 10 and 11, he said, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subjected to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. See, Paul was so clear on this. He was very clear on this. He says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was the power that resurrected Jesus from the grave. And that same Spirit, that same Spirit, the powerful Spirit, are living in us. He says, are you actually grasping this? He says that the power that resurrected God from the grave are living in you, are living in me. He says there is power that we don't know we have. It's like a baby walking around with AK-47 and he doesn't know what this thing is for. I mean, do, do I hit things with it? Put it in my mouth. Hopefully not. You see, that's the kind of power we walk with as Christians, but we don't know what we have until we start getting revelation on the resurrection power of God. Now the question comes, so, so why do so many believers still live powerless, defeated lives? See, that was my first question. It's like, if Paul are so adamant on this, I look around me and I've been in, in church for 15, for so many years, and I've been saved for so many years, but more than half of the time I see powerless, defeated lives. 
Christians, saved, loving God, but still defeated. Why? You see, many of us have experienced the power of God. Many have not. Sensationists today believe that the power of God was for them. It's not for now. Can you think? And they're adamant about it. But see, God's spirit and power never diminishes. It never fades away. It is constant. It's like us walking out of this. Well, we don't see the sun today. Hopefully tomorrow again. But we all see the sun. Why? Because we, we wake up every morning and the sun is there. Now what happens if everyone on earth instantly become blind? Does it mean the sun doesn't exist anymore? No. Absolutely not. The sun is not connected to our world. It's there to serve us, to be a blessing to us. It's there. It's constant. And it's the same with God's power. God's power is there to benefit us. It's there to benefit you on a daily basis. Do we use the benefit? Do we walk in that benefit? Do we realize that we have a benefit? I mean, it's things that my wife knows me. It makes me, I mean, I go, sometimes I feel like I want to go crazy if I know, if I don't know there was a special at that shop and I really want something there, but the special has been running for a week and I didn't even know about it. And it was like a 60% discount. And then the day I get there, the special ended yesterday. I but see, that's how I feel when, I, when it reminds me of so many Christians walking around, don't know of the power that they are carrying. That's available to them. That's a benefit to them on a daily basis. See, those who believe will experience the power. And those who don't believe will experience nothing. It's unfortunate, but that's the truth. If you believe that if you put your finger in the socket, you will shock, you will not put your finger in there. But if you don't believe, you will put it in and then you will realize the truth. But see, we need to believe in God. And if we believe in God, then we need to experience Him. It was called to. See, the Spirit of the life-giving God, who resurrected Jesus from the grave, are living in you. You need to experience something. We need to experience something. So let me ask another question. And it's again the how question. Any now how do I experience? How do I experience the resurrected power of God? What, what do I do to access that power? Have ever, any one of you ever asked that question? I mean, I've, I've asked that question so many times. I said, Lord, how, do I, how can I experience more of you? I read my Bible, I pray, I experience this amazing when I worship, but how do I experience your power in signs, wonders, miracles? How can I pray for people and I see miracles? I want to experience those things. How do I do that? Now let's look at Romans 8 again. And the answer is actually in there. Let's read the first part. But if, if, in, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subjected to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of? Righteousness. Righteousness. See, we get access to the power through the revelation of righteousness. If you don't know that you are righteous, you're going to feel condemned all the time. You see, the revelation that God made us righteous is a free gift. It's a free gift. 
It's overpaid. Jesus came and he paid for our sin. Now, he just didn't pay. He overpaid. So if Steve come and he brings me McDonald's tomorrow when I'm hungry and I said, that's for your food for you. Maybe Steers is better. Maybe Nando's is better. He brings us like, yeah, man, thank you so much. I'll pay you back. I said, yeah, that's fine. And the next day I come back and I write, well, we don't do checks. And I was like, listen, I paid 100,000 rand in your account. I just want to make sure that the Nando's is paid. I mean, that's ridiculous. But that's what Jesus did. He overpaid to such an extent that we will never be in debt again. Never ever. That we will be in a place where we are so much like we are the righteousness of God. It's a free gift. We don't have to pay for it again. Look what Romans 5.17 says. It says the following, Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder, this is the Passion Translation, I just want to say that. So death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over, the, over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our freedom through what? Through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus the Messiah. It's a free gift. It can't be paid for. It can't be earned. I can't work for it. I don't care if you read your Bible 10 times a day and pray 60 times. You can't, still can't pay for the righteousness Jesus earned. It's there. It's free. It's good to read your Bible though. And if you read it 10 times and pray, fantastic. You're going to mature quicker. You see, that's where people miss grace. They think, oh, I've got grace. I don't have to do all these things. No, it's a fake grace. Grace is there not to give you the ability to sin. It's there to keep you away from it or to free you from it. It's to empower you not to sin. That's what true grace is. See, if I've got a revelation that I'm righteous in God, it's a free gift. I've got the resurrection power in me. Wow, Lord, wow, how graceful is that? Then suddenly, I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I don't want to sin anymore. Now, if you read this scripture, some people struggle with a bit of a gray area, right here. People have asked me, Henny, but I know that I'm righteous. I know that it's a gift. But when I mess up, I don't feel that righteous anymore. Any one of you have been there? I've been there so many times in my life. It's like, oh, I don't feel that righteous anymore. I mess so, I, I, I mean, my mess up was to such a degree that I don't feel at all righteous at the moment. But let me clear this up. You see, we are His righteousness all the time, irrespective of our behavior. His righteousness, irrespective of our behavior. Now, our righteousness before God is based on the behavior and obedience of Jesus on our behalf. That's what the scripture says. It says, Jesus are in me, I live in Him. Because I am in Him, I've got a free guest of righteousness. So I am, on behalf of Jesus' righteousness, I am righteous before God. So sometimes we take our behavior and we move into a place of condemnation and guilt to such a degree that I don't see my righteousness anymore. Yes, it's good to repent. And we need to. That's what the scripture says. But the grace is to repent and then says, Lord, let the grace empower me to stand in Christ. And know that in Christ I am righteous before the Father. Does it make sense? 
See, my, our, motiv our motivation to serve and obey God is not through condemnation and fear anymore. When I grew up, I grew up in a place where man, I feared God. Not a good fear. I feared Him because I, know, I, I thought when I mess up, He's going to take me out. I'm going to be in trouble. I had so much condemnation in my life that I that sometimes didn't even want to read my Bible because I felt too guilty. People don't want to go to church because they feel too guilty. Condemnation, fear. See, we don't, that's not a motivation to serve God. See, our motivation to serve and hunger for more of God is because there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation. And because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, the more our faith grows in this revelation, that we are the righteousness the more we start to see the resurrection power of God in and through our lives. If I know that I am the righteousness of God, that means that I have the resurrection power that lives in me through the Holy Spirit. That means that when I pray for someone, I need to see a miracle. So when I get this revelation and I speak this revelation, I read it and I see it wrong. If you, I mean, if you have this revelation and you go read through Romans again, you will read Romans differently. You will read Philippians differently. You will read all the Gospels of John, of Paul, differently. See, even the Philippian church started to lose their faith in the resurrection power. Why? Paul was frustrated about it. In Philippians 3, I think you can go and read it. Paul was so frustrated that he called the Philippian leaders dogs and evildoers. Why? Because they started preaching the law to a new covenant church. <laughs> they, they went back to circumcision, preaching the law, where people were free in Christ, living in righteousness, or supposed to live in righteousness. See, he knew that, that those people need to see the power of Christ, not go back to the law and back to condemnation. So, so many people today is caught up in preaching sin consciousness. Really. Sin consciousness and works. And I've been part of, I mean, I've been so many times in my life, I've been in churches, I've been in conversations, where I can hear that people are preaching sin consciousness so that we can get free from the sin. But we already, I mean, we are in righteousness. We are under grace. Yes, if there's sin in your life, then repent and move on. Grow in that place. See, if we don't guard against such doctrine that we preach sin consciousness, we will end up with a church filled with moral people and they don't see signs and wonders and miracles. They don't pray for the sick. They don't pray for people to receive Christ. It's one thing to be a moral Christian, but this other thing to be moral and experience God's presence. See signs, wonders, miracles. Speak to the dead bones and see them rise. What does it benefit us as believers to be morally good but we have no experience of the power of God. There's a story about the guy's name is Fritz Chrysler. That was before the car Chrysler. In the 1800s, he was the best, the most famous violinist in the world. And he traveled all around the world making tons of money, but giving everything away because he had no use for it. He could rather bless people. He had such a Christian value in his life. So one day he was traveling and he was at a reseller and he saw this priceless violin on sale and he realized that I want this violin 
with my talent and his violin, I can do amazing things. But he didn't have any money left because he gave everything away to the poor. So he went away and he played a couple of things and he saved up money. A couple of weeks later, he came back to the reseller and said, listen, is that violin still here? And unfortunately, by, by his sadness, the violin was sold to, a, what do you call it, a collector. And he was heartbroken. He went to the collector's home, knocked on the door and said, listen, sir, I'm this and this. Can I please buy this violin from you? And the collector said, no, this is my most prized possession. I've been looking for this violin all my life. I will never sell this. And the violin was like, he was heartbroken. He turned around and when he turned around, he turned back and said, listen, I have one request. Can I play the violin for the last time before it's deemed silent for the rest of its existence? And the collector said, yeah, sure, you're welcome. Picked up the violin, he started playing the most beautiful music. It filled the room to such an extent that the collector started getting teary, crying of the beauty of what happened right in front of him. Afterwards, he gave back the piano, and the man looked at him and said, I have no right to keep this to myself. Take it into the world and let people hear it. Come, I love that story. So many times we have the most prized possession in our hearts. We have it, but we want to put it on a pedestal and never hear the power of it. Never release the power of it in our lives. You see, the gospel has so many times been falsely preached, preached as right living, when actually the gospel is right believing. You see, right believing will give you right living. When you believe that I am the righteousness of God, I have the resurrection power that's, that's residing on the inside of me when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then suddenly I start living like a person who are righteous in God. Do it means I never sin? No. I do, but then I just repent and step back into that place of grace that empowers me to live from the resurrection power. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says the following, and I want to close with this. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has, has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, there's a, a colon. Thank you. So a colon means that, okay, let me just explain to you what I just said. So he said that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore, Christ ambassadors, as though, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can't pay for the righteousness. Jesus already did. But in Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. Now firstly, let's just go back one. That God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ. He didn't say he's going to reconcile the church. 
He came for the world. He came for every one of us. He's just using the church to reach the world. He said that on this church I will build my rock. He said to Peter, and this church I will use to reach the world through the righteousness and the power of God. See, Christ played for the Christ paid for the world's righteousness, not just the churches. He paid for the righteousness of every person on earth. As believers, sometimes I think I need to wake up to that reality of what the gospel really is. The gospel is for the lost, for the world. And we as believers need to realize that we carry what the world needs. See, we don't have to plead for the revival in the church anymore. Because we are the revival. So what do you mean, Henny? See, revive, the word revive means the following. It says, to make alive which was formerly dead. To make alive which was formerly dead. Now, it means that Scripture says that we all have been made alive in Christ. We've been reading it. We have been made alive in Christ, which was formerly dead, are now alive. Which means that where does revival start? Yeah, in our hearts. In our revelation of who we are in Christ. See, Christ has already revived us the day He walked out of that grave. And then He goes on and He says this thing, and I want to end with this. He says, God is not counting people's sins against them. I mean, that's quite a radical statement, isn't it? Because this is where the gray area comes and people say, like, yeah, I'll never be able to do sin again. God, the grace is enough for me. I mean, no, it's, not. it's, it's fake grace. Yes, we can sin. But God is still not counting our sins against Him because Christ paid for it already. There's a law that says, I don't know if you, there's actually a movie about it as well. The law says that you have double jeopardy. You know double jeopardy? Double jeopardy means that you cannot be, you cannot be punished for the same crime twice. Now it's not a biblical law, but it's just an illustration of says that, that God already punished Jesus on our behalf for the entire world. So why would He count our sins against us again? All we need to do is we need to repent of our sins, walk into the perfect place of liberty and grace that says, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this place of righteousness that I can stand in right standing before the Father because I'm in Jesus. He's in me. See, He's not counting the world's sins against Him. He's counting it against Christ. He already counted it against Christ. Now the sad reality of this revelation is that millions of people still today go to hell while God is not counting their sins against them. I mean, that's why we need to, as Christians, share the gospel. We need to show the truth. We need to show people the power of God. When you hug somebody, when you encourage them, when you pray for them, that's the power of God being released. Now there's only one sin that Jesus couldn't die for on the cross, you know? Only one. And that's the sin of unbelief. See, at the, end, at the end of the time, only one sin will be judged at the throne of God, and that's the unbelief in the finished work of Christ. Because if you don't believe, it, doesn't, it means that you don't have the grace of God. 
you don't know Jesus and because you don't know Jesus and gave your life a place of salvation to him it means that you can't be accounted to that as say that there's grace for me I pray that all Christians and us as Christians will start to see and believe that we have access to the resurrection power of God does it mean that we are perfect no we're not we mature and grow that's why we read our Bible that's why we repent when we sin. That's why we grow and mature on a daily basis. That's why we need to be discipled. That's why we need mentors that speak into our lives. Keep us accountable. So that we grow to a place constantly in our lives that we realize who we are in God. That we realize that we are walking in resurrection power. That means that we are the righteousness of God. So we are supernaturally enhanced. Like the G-Power BMW as Christians, when Jesus was resurrected. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you are struggling through something in your life, and maybe it's sin, maybe it's something, try this. Try saying, and I've been trying this for a couple of weeks, and, and it's been amazing, because it reminds me constantly, if I struggle with something in my life, and that temptation or that thing comes up, just say it loudly to yourself, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. If you, don't, if you feel like not reading your Bible, just say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am going to read my Bible because I like to. And as you confess that, guess what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So when I confess it to myself, I hear it, I confess it, and something starts changing in my life. Now from this revelation and from this foundation, I want to look at the gospel. I want to look at grace in the next couple of weeks. But we need to catch this first as believers that we are the righteousness of God. I can walk in the resurrection power of God. I need to be able to preach for, not preach, well, maybe preach as well. Pray for people and they need to be healed. I remember when I, me and Andrew were young campus guys on campus, we grabbed this revelation of that we are the authority, God's authority are, are in us. So we pray from a place of authority, not because, because we're sinners. And that's why Jesus said in, in Matthew 10, Luke 9, He says, heal the sick. So if you know your authority, you heal the sick. You don't, oh Lord, please, will you come please, Lord, and heal this headache. No, you walk up in authority because I'm the righteousness of God and said, I command this headache to leave. When we grasped that revelation on campus, we started seeing miracles on campus. He can give you a lot of testimonies. On the rugby field, in connect cell groups and courses, I mean, we saw so much miracles because we started walking in revelation of the righteousness that we have. You see, if you know that you are the righteousness of God, you start to experience the power of God. But we don't see the power of God because we, are, we lack the revelation of who we are. Does it mean that we are bad? No. It does mean that the best is yet to come. <laughs> really. Now, I really want to... I ask myself the same thing as I close... I ask myself the same thing every week. It's like, how old is my oldest testimony? So if I share testimonies of a year ago of our miracles and signs, that means that my faith has been dormant for a year. 
You see, how many people have I walked by with crutches or saw a headache or something and I've, I haven't prayed for them? Or we tell them, it's like, yeah, man, I'll pray for you. Yes, man, come on. You'll be fine. I'll pray for you. Now just pray for them now. And trust God for a miracle. And trust God to amaze you. The first time I had to pray for people, I'm a long testimony, so I'm not going to share that, but it was in, in a rugby course, and there was a lot of guys. The first guy, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray for sick people today. Did I share this before? Um, I'm going to pray for sick guys today. And I invited him to stay afterwards. The first guy that came up had a cracked kneecap. I said, Jesus, God, thank you for giving me an easy one. I mean, for the first time. <laughs> I put my hand on that kneecap and I said, I command this thing to be healed in Jesus' name. I didn't even know what it meant. Or what. And he looked at me, his eyes went this, and he started shaking his leg, started running up and down. And I realized that really wasn't me. That was God through me. <laughs> you see, we need to, as Christians... Start trusting God for more. Out of a revelation of who we are and what we have. Amen? Let's stand together and we're going to pray.